Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brindle. He's Dave Simone, and it is a big week in Bearcat land as the Cincinnati Bearcats get set to host the Central Florida Knights Friday night, five o'clock or eight o'clock, sorry, Nippert Stadium. It is going to be an electric atmosphere. And then hopefully following a Bearcat win, everybody will mosey on over to Fifth Third Arena. And watch Midnight, the return of Midnight Madness, as John Brannon gets his first edition of his Cincinnati Bearcats in front of the fans for the first time. So a lot going on this week. Also good news, next Saturday, the Bearcats will travel to Houston to take on the Cougars. Kickoff for that game has been announced at 3.30. That is optimal, perfect time. For everybody to meet me at Taft's Brewporium, pizza, some mid-afternoon beers, the Bearcats, and the Houston Cougars. I think it is going to be an awesome time. And then after the game, maybe get yourself some pizza, maybe some wings, definitely some garlic knots with the uh, amazing, fantastic uh, beer cheese that they make at Taft's. And all in all, it should make for a fantastic event. Uh, I did not. I was obviously not there for the uh, the Marshall game as I was down in Huntington sweating my rear end off. That was a scorcher down there, at least early. Um, but make your plans right now. Put it in your calendar. Put it in your notebook. Put it in your phone. Whatever you got to do. Next Saturday, 3.30, Bearcats in Houston. Watch party. Task Brewporium. Join me. It will be a fantastic time and hopefully a fantastic time coming off knocking off number 18 central florida and in their first game of conference play taking control of the eastern division in the american athletic conference dave simone welcome in my friend how are you today i'm doing pretty darn good on this uh tuesday week tuesday you know can't can't complain Record-setting Tuesday. The hottest October day in the history of Cincinnati. 95 yeah. degrees. Fantastic. Not as hot as the Go Bearcats FB account, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that here as we uh, we start off the podcast. Uh, our guys at Republic of Cincinnati put out a tweet yesterday asking what people would like to see done to the field. Now that the soccer hooligans are no longer around, everybody had a bunch of ideas. The official account of the football program tweeted out a a design today that actually, I think this is their problem, Dave. The design was awesome. <laughs> I, I, I liked it. It had a little bit of everything. Yeah, it had the black field, the Bearcat eyes at, at midfield, the skyline of Cincinnati, coming out of the the sides of the eyes uh the red end zone the the white end zone i didn't care for all that much that was that was i'd probably i probably wouldn't have done a white end zone on that design but they were they were ultimately as everyone found out kidding wasn't received all that well by some in the fan base others uh got the joke um i i didn't understand the need to to troll your fan base but i will say it went viral, and 
in this in this day and age, social media engagements are uh, are what are what those accounts are looking for, and it was engaged. Uh, I think over ten thousand likes and a couple thousand retweets, and had quite a few national uh, outlets talking about it. So I didn't necessarily agree with it from the jump, but the way it played out. I mean, they got the mileage they won out of, wanted out of it. And then tonight, if you haven't seen, go back and check the... Uh, they started a thread off of it. Um, they did a video with uh, the Bearcat and Mike Warren at a home improvement store uh, buying up all the black paint, which I thought was a pretty, pretty lighthearted and, and fun way to follow it up after a day of everybody working themselves into social media outrage. Um I don't know. I thought it was silly at first, but I guess I kind of get it at the end of the day, Dave. That's kind of where I stand. I, I mean, I kind of have this similar thoughts. Like, from a from a joke standpoint, I guess, I don't know, maybe I just have a different level of comedic interest. I didn't really find the, like, funny part of it. I I thought it was a cool look, and obviously that was probably not anything that was realistically going to ever happen. So I get that, but kind of like you said, I just didn't really understand it. The premise behind it from the beginning. I mean, clicks are clicks, I guess in these, in this time, but I don't know, just didn't, didn't register with me, but not, not a huge deal in the grand of it all. Well, it's what, it's one of those things that it gets people worked up. Uh, some people, you know, didn't like it, didn't, didn't find the humor in it, didn't, didn't get where they were coming from. Um, but ultimately like, it's not a story tomorrow. It's gone. So if you're, if you're worked up about it, I mean, I kind of get it from the standpoint of like, like I said, I think that the problem was the design was just too good. Like it was something people were like, Oh my God, that would be amazing. Um, now it would be something going forward that that black with the with the red i could see that on a basketball court or something oh, yeah. similar now, i don't i don't full black I a, basketball court i get a weird feeling that we haven't seen the end of that design like that that <laughs> might be that might be their version of red helms that we're still talking about that thing 10 years from now which, if that's well, the I mean, case, are, are, are they allowed done. to put this? Are they allowed to put the skyline on the court? Because did, did didn't Xavier do that, or was theirs just like the skyline of like Victory Parkway and like Norwood? Yeah, no, it was just Dana's and um, the bowling alley. And... Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> I, I, I forget. <laughs> A couple medical buildings. Um, yeah, no. a couple land, couple landfills, <laughs> and, and some buildings that look like a state penitentiary. Oh. <laughs> uh, the one thing that should have given it away was the eyes were an Adidas thing, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. We, we haven't seen those in a long time. They they wouldn't have brought those back. Maybe maybe they'd have put a couple triangles. On midfield, you never know. They, they they probably have rights to to all that stuff. Yeah, I, I'm sure they probably do. But I mean, you just, <laughs> but generally, like that was an Adidas thing. Like, 
you're not going to see the odds are you're not going to see something like that come back. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Um, I don't think we needed to spend a lot of time on it, but I, I just no, no. It's, it's all it's all in good fun. You yeah, know. it's it's social media in the year 2019. Like it was harmless ultimately, and the follow up video I did think was hilarious with Mike Warren. So if that's what we get out of it, and then some really good twittering from Mo Egger, uh, I jokingly asked how everyone was doing today. Uh, he said he was letting the second coat of black paint dry in his backyard. So there was some funny that came out of it, which really on the internet, that's all you can ask for. Uh, let's talk about Saturday evening at, uh, at, in Huntington, West Virginia. And Dave, in a lot of ways, that was the Bearcats we were all hoping to see this year. Uh, you get a, a very good kick return to open the game from Trey Tucker. I think that set the tone. They marched right down the field, punched the ball in the end zone. And for all intents and purposes, the route was on. Um, We talked about this a little on Sunday. The more I looked into that game, the more it felt like if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, this, this, this is one that could get ugly. And I think if you listen back to last week's podcast, like we had respect for Marshall and, and the team that they had. But as we got to the end of that show, I think both of us were ready to just be like, you know what? This might be an ass whipping. Yeah, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and it's easy to go back and be like, oh, yeah, I thought they were going to destroy him. But I didn't think it was going to be this. Like, No, no, and that's kind of what we said. It was like the more I thought about it, the more 35-17, 35-20, seemed more in line. I think I said like 35-24. You said like 34-24, something like that. I, I said 24-14 because I thought – Yeah. Oh, okay. I just I just hadn't seen Marsh or Cincinnati's offense really click yet. So, yeah. as I as I am and often talk about, like, you got to show me before I'm ready to jump on board. They hadn't shown right. me yet, so I wasn't ready to predict a massive offensive breakout. But – it was there, and I, they were. They were I kind really of looked good. at their, you know, when we kind of dug deeper and really dug into that Boise game. You know, that game should never have been right fourteen to seven, and you can say, well, it was, and that's true. Um, you know, the game is the game, but it never should have been fourteen to seven, and I think their defense was more in line with what OU did to them, and I just kind of felt like there were some significant advantages offensively for UC if they could find that gear that we had hoped that they would start the season in. It's just maybe taking them, you know, to to week to maybe parts of week game three and then game four. But I think what I've started to come around to is that and we'll see. We'll get a great look at it this week. But yeah. you know, are are we undervaluing or underselling the defense? Because I didn't. They're good, man. I I didn't think Marshall's offense was really that scary. Um, but still, like outside, you know. Again, I don't want to keep doing this, but Ohio State is proving to be, you know 
more than championship level right now. I mean, they're, they're the talk this week is that they're the number one team in the country based on performance in the 2019 season. And I don't really disagree with that. I, you know, people can say, well, you know, who have they played, but that's not any, that, that doesn't, who have they played doesn't take away from optically watching them play and how precise their offense has been and how good their defense has been. So I think that, stuff is opponent withstanding. Um, but this defense, UC's defense, has still yet to allow 260 yards in a game, has still yet to allow more than 14 points. And that is pretty much unheard of in college football 2019. So, you know, we've talked about the defensive line being better than we maybe anticipated. Um, I thought they were good against Marshall, more so against the run. Um, yeah. Their, their passing attack was pretty limited and was, yeah. was a lot of quick stuff. Um, but, I mean, they had 200 and, 258 yards, and I'm sure half of those were in garbage time and – 50, 56 of them were on two plays. Right. 16-yard touchdown run and a 40-yard touchdown run. You take those out of their rushing numbers, and they ran for like 2.25 yards per play, per rush. So, you know, I think the defense is there. You hope that we found something offensively and can use that game as a a springboard, but this week is a test that is much closer to Ohio State than it is UCLA, Miami, or Marshall. So we'll just kind of, you know, have to see how that goes. Yeah. Look, Marshall offensively simply had – there was nothing they could do to beat the Cincinnati defense. It from start to finish. I mean, it, yeah, there were the, the two drives where they scored, uh, where they had their starters in, and UC was playing almost exclusively backups. Um, congratulations, like whatever. But when Cincinnati's first team defense was on the field, I think the only time they got past midfield was the drive right before halftime. Right? It was certainly the only time they got anywhere near oh, know, scoring yeah. range. Well, it was the the drive before halftime, and then not until either late into the third quarter or into the fourth quarter because their first four possessions in the second half were three and out. Three and out, yeah. Um, It it just it was a day that the team that we we were hoping to see this year showed up finally for the first time. And was good to see. It was. Uh, it gives you a lot. It gives you a lot more confidence heading into Friday night. And I think maybe that's that's the most important thing of all, right here, right? Like you didn't want to go into that Central Florida game not having a game under your belt where you felt like you played well. And to this point, even in the two wins, we've talked about it. It didn't feel like they played all that well. They didn't play near the top of their ability. And you came out of that Marshall game right in Brendel's bites. I'm like, 
look, I could put four, five, six different guys in all of these categories as far as, you know, who played the best on uh, on Saturday evening. So right. that's that's what you want before you you bring in a top 20 team to your home field for a Friday night primetime game on ESPN. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, Coach talked about it today that having the short week might not be a bad thing because you get kind of right into game prep and game mode again. And, with you know, with it being at home and night and, and all that comes with that, you know, it's going to be – I'm sure from the player's standpoint, they're ready to – they're probably ready to roll after kind of getting that juice – win so to speak where they're like okay now this is who we thought we could be and we we've, we've done it so now we you know now our mission is to do it again against a different type of opponent right biggest takeaway obviously the offensive line was exceptional in the past game probably still not where they want to be uh in terms of the run game yet but we saw considerable improvement in all phases from that group up front, unfortunately, uh, I'm not optimistic about Jeremy Cooper. Uh, Fickle didn't have an answer for us today at the press conference, which I tend to think is typically a bad thing. Usually if they're okay, we get the word that they're okay. His injury did not look good. Um, so, you know, now you're probably looking at, at Vince McConnell, at least in the short term. Vince McConnell at left guard. Uh, Ferg rolled his ankle at the end of the game. I think everybody's hopeful that he can be back, but you roll an ankle on a 330-pound guy, that sometimes isn't uh, isn't the easiest thing to recover from on a short week. But right. my, my guess is, is Ferg, will, if he can walk, he'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, vast improvement from that offensive line, and guess what? When the offensive line plays well, it allows Des Ritter to get in a rhythm and it opens up the passing game, especially down the field. And we saw them attacking over the top much more frequently against Marshall. Those two things go hand in hand. So, yes, they did push the ball down the field. It was also because Ritter had time to take a three- or five-step drop, get his feet set, and push the ball down the field. So, One's not going to happen without the other, my man, right? It's usually the case. I mean, from the first play of the game, they line up in power and run, you know, the the route to Alec Pierce. And I think that kind of set the tone for the whole game. I mean, that, that kind of – when you can do that right off the bat, and it seems – it might seem silly to say one play, but like when you can do that right off the bat and you have success, I think that kind of grows and it makes play calling easier and you know, it makes execution easier when you know that you can can do that kind of stuff. And then he hits Pierce on a deep ball later in the game. You had the uh the bomb from Ben Bryant to Trey Tucker. Did you go back and watch that play at all? Oh, yeah. I love the play design. That Trey Tucker, if you're going to give him free release, uh, 
boy, you better have some wheels. Because <laughs> well, he, pa- he went past that dude from Marshall like he was standing still. Well, yeah, because if you usually don't, I mean, you, you very rarely see press man in college to begin with. And you almost never see press in the, in the spot. And more times than not, your slot guy is your quick throw guy, your hot route guy, your your horizontal guy, and not a vertical guy. So to put him in the slot is is very smart. And to run that route with him in the slot is very smart. And you hope you can build off that where maybe you run that route and you pull, you know, maybe you run a, a deep dig with the outside receiver and the safety's out of there. So you, know, you have no help from that standpoint. I think it's just putting that on tape and being successful with that has now alerted other teams to Trey. And so when he's in the game, they're going to be alerting their defense, which now means that, they're, they're probably paying slightly less attention to something else. And I'll tell you what, one, some of my, my, my biggest takeaways through, uh, as we're through four games now, Alec Pierce has been the revelation that we thought he was going to be right. I I'm comfortable in saying that now he has put himself in a position where he is a legitimate has to be respected deep threat on the outside and also a guy that runs all the routes and can be very effective uh, as a, as a complete overall number one type receiver going forward. I think, yes, it's only four games, but I'm confident in saying that now. Well, he's run all sorts of different routes. So I, I don't, yeah, he's a number. He's a true number one, and you know should be targeted and and covered like one. Secondly, the duo, especially on special teams, but we're we're starting to see Trey Tucker more on offense. The duo of Ryan Montgomery and Trey Tucker changes the special teams completely because Ryan Montgomery is going to take a punt to the house soon. Yeah, he got – I thought there were a couple – Bad, that, bad calls. That call on, on Sauce Gardner – Terrible. On, on Ryan's good punt return, he had several good ones, but the one that he you know, kind of kind of broke was just trash. Awful. It was completely so, awful. I was standing right in front of it. It was terrible. There's no way that was a penalty. Um, yeah, so – but yeah, those two guys in the return game just make, and we talked about it last week a little bit. You get a punt, and you return it eight, ten, twelve yards. That is big, man. And it's you know he doesn't have any fear when fielding that ball. He is not one of those guys that is back there looking to fair catch as soon as the ball comes off well, the first foot. What I like about the way he he handles it is. He's one cut, he's upfield, and he's get what he you know, he get he the yardage he can yeah. get while still looking for for opportunities, but it's not like you see some of these guys like 
Okay, they make the first guy miss. Then they run sideways, thinking that they're going to, like, make the next two guys miss. Then they try, like, he makes the first guy miss, goes upfield, but has good vision to see, like, okay, where's my next move? Or is this, is this, am I done here? And I just put my head down and try to get three or four more yards. Or is it, okay, I've made the first guy miss, now I'm upfield five yards, okay, now I see an alley where I maybe can, can break it outside or back inside, and he takes the chance there. But he's not one of these guys that is, is moving around a lot. There's not a lot of wasted motion. It's, it's get it and go. And I'll say it again. I think people have just forgotten how good he was, how big of a get he was, because he tore his knee. And, and when that happens, especially for a skill guy, for a speed guy, they get kind of pushed aside. He gray-shirted. Everybody forgot about him as part of that 2018 class. And now all of a sudden you're seeing there's a reason there was a lot of high major interest in Ryan Montgomery. Now that he's healthy, that kid's got a chance to be really good, and and it won't be just as a returner because he can play as a running back too. Um, oh, yeah. He's just kind of blocked there right now. But that's going to end up – we're going to look back at that, and everybody's going to be like, man, that one long-term over four years is going to be a big one for Luke Fickle in this program. Uh, and so will Trey Tucker. And those two guys, I love that neither of them, the moment is not too big for either of those guys. Those guys love going out there and making plays. And they've got the capability to do it. They don't back down from the moment. Uh, I just, I, I think the future is really bright on special teams and on offense for both of those guys. Uh, very, very high on Ryan Montgomery and Trey Tucker from from the uh, from the Bearcat Journal uh head office chair and that's all that really matters yeah is our opinion on players right (laughs) but you can see luke lucas and mike denbrock are starting to get more trust and especially in trey using them on those jet sweeps now using them down the field as a deep threat uh they're they're becoming a lot more comfortable with that kid and and i that's what you know i was watching him closely because a lot of those guys that that have that track speed it, it never translates to a football field. That kid's a football player more than he is a track guy. And he's oh, a hell yeah. of a track and, guy. You know, it's great to say you've got a, a 10 for 100 guy on your team, but if you don't trust him to actually put him in the game, it doesn't really matter. And he's not a threat to you from a scouting standpoint or even a, a, you know, an in-game standpoint if you don't give him the ball. So I'm glad that he's now, you know, not just out there to to run fake jet sweeps like they've given him the ball, they've thrown him the ball, because that's where his value comes in. Is what you know, no matter it's like a it's like a great three point shooter. You know, everyone yells shooter shooter when they get the ball, but if the guy never shoots or doesn't play because he can't play defense, then what's the point in having a knockdown shooter? So you you got to give him the ball and you got to you get him out there. So I'm glad we've gotten to that stage of the season. Absolutely. Also, how about the hit that Justin Harris laid on special teams? That's another guy, another freshman that I've been really high on. And uh, he had a big tackle on a punt return where, you know, usually those corners, they don't like sticking their head in there. That Trey's not afraid to, or, or Justin's not afraid to hit you. And we've talked about that a lot with him. So, um, I, I'm, the, the freshmen, some of them are starting to flash. 
and I, I think that's a very good thing for this program going forward. Uh, all right. Let's get to it. Friday night, 8 p.m., ESPN. Central Florida comes to town. When you look at this thing... Uh, you, just, you just angered their fans if they listen to this. UCF? Am I supposed to call them UCF? Well, they want you to call them UCF, so you should, So we're going to call them Central Florida. Okay. Uh, I don't... Because they are the, the most annoying fan base in the country. Yeah, they're... They're up there, big time. High if any, if fans. any of our, if any of our fans want to listen to a very funny, funny rant about that, a uh, friend of the podcast, Stephen Godfrey, who used to be with SB Nation and now has a, is with several, several people that used to be there that now run a fantastic new website called the Banner Society, which I recommend to all college football fans. Uh, still does the PAPN podcast, ain't played nobody podcast and last week just like for three and a half minutes destroyed them and why everybody hates them and why everyone wants them to lose you know every game they play it's very funny listening uh especially for you know fans that are familiar with the uh golden knights so central florida give me your uh when you when you when you take a look at them, what, what does Cincinnati need to do? Uh, where where have they been uh, a little vulnerable this year? They, they definitely you know with a loss to Pitt, they definitely don't look like uh, the juggernaut that they had been with Mackenzie Milton. Yes, they've got a freshman quarterback, but he looks to be pretty good. He, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Looks to be pretty good um, in his uh, early days, but. Uh, what's your what's your early takeaway on on Central Florida and and what to watch for in this game? Uh, let's see. My first initial takeaway is they are not as. I mean, this isn't like groundbreaking. They are not as good defensively as they have been, and I don't think they're as good off on the offensive line as they have been. That said, they have scored over thirty points. 31 games in a row. Right. They did it in their big games. They do it against UConn. They did it in the bowl game against LSU. I mean, they are going to score. So, you know, if UC breaks the streak, they're going to win. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Like, if if they hold them under 30, I'm I'm hard-pressed to think that they're going to lose. Um, Holding them under 30 – even with a freshman quarterback, even on the road, is going to be a challenge. I mean, they played, for the most part, pretty bad in their loss to Pitt, who's not really that good of a team. And they still scored 34. Yeah. So, you know, for all the nice things you said about the defense, I'm still expecting them to score over 30. Um, a matchup that I'm very excited to watch are their top two receivers, Gabriel Davis and Trey Nixon versus UC's corners. Uh, Gabe Davis is on fire right now. He, uh, he has 
500 yards receiving and eight touchdowns on the year. He's got he had five touchdowns in his last two games. Uh, Trey Nixon is, I believe, an Ole Miss transfer when they had all that nonsense go down a couple years ago and guys could get immediate eligibility. Um, so he's he's quality. And then they still have what I kind of call three-headed running back slash receiving group because you have Otis Anderson that is truly a running back slash receiver. I think he's almost more of a receiver now than a running back. And then Greg McRae and Adrian Killings. And they they still have the speed that we saw last year in Orlando that UC just couldn't handle. Right. So all those things are still there. Uh, you know, you mentioned the freshman quarterback, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, I mean, I was looking at just some of their numbers. They're, they've scored 31 touchdowns in four games. It's just like, it's just funny. Or five, they've played five games, actually. But when you look at those games individually, they've played Florida Atlantic. They've played... Florida A&M, so that's just a total throwout game. Right. And they've, they've played UConn, which is like playing two FCS teams. They played Stanford at home, who they kicked the crap out of, but for the you know uneducated that aren't following the sport that closely and especially aren't following Pac-12 football, this is probably the worst Stanford team in the last 10 years, and Questions are starting to be asked of, like, David Shaw's a great coach, but does, is that style going to to work? And they needed a field goal at the buzzer to be very, very bad and very, very much rebuilding Oregon State last week. So, you know, none of, like, you look at their them and compared to UC in S and P Plus, which is kind of my go-to as far as truly ranking teams. Mm-hmm. And UC, UCF is 14th, UC is 38th. Uh, UCF's offense is 25th, UC is the 76th. UCF's defense is 26th, UC is 30th. Where are those numbers, like we've kind of talked about? Minus Ohio State and minus an FCS team in UConn. Like Pitt offensively is 113th in the nation, and they scored 35 on UCF. Right. Their, def- their defense is 19th. It's very similar to to and UC. Pitt is not they exactly had chucking the ball all over. No. The no. Um, they had they had six sacks. And they did that without their two best defensive linemen. So I think that maybe um, gives UC some positive thoughts as far as what this defensive line might be able to accomplish. But I think it's still it's going to come it's going to come back to UC's offense. I think just because, like I said. The defense can have a great game and still give up thirty. So what, like, what kind of game are we going to get from the UC offense? Are we going to get something that closely, more closely resembles Marshall, 
or are we going to get something that more closely resembles parts of the other three games? Yeah, I mean, look, UCF scoring 49. Somebody asked me the other day about, or asked me yesterday on the weekly chat about uh, time of possession and how important time nothing. of possession. It means nothing in this game. Because they score in two, like it's Brian Kelly style. We're looking to score as fast as we can get down the field. So you can hold them to 22 minutes time of possession and they still score 40 points. Well, who cares how, how long you have the ball for if you don't end up scoring well, at the, the end the of question it? Was, the question was more about like UC being able to play keep away. And it's like, well, that doesn't really work against Central Florida. They average what? 232 yards a game on the ground and 336 yards a game through the air. That's all and they, well and good if you're going to score a touchdown on all seven of your drives. Like, yeah. the, like, like the service academies that run the triple try to do. Right. But against UCF, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, time of possession. What, what's their, their average time of possession is 25-26. So they're losing time of possession on the season. They've played one okay team, one below average team, and two terrible teams. And they're losing time of possession. They ain't trying to hold the ball. It's an, Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty much irrelevant to that, if you ask me. You only talk about time of possession when you're using the run game to, to eat up clock at the end of a game. Like, for the first three quarters, time of possession means nothing. Well, I think it mattered first quarter of the Marshall game because Marshall couldn't get a first down. That's where time of well, possession matters. Right, and we but scored on our 19-play drive and all the yeah. other drives. Like, if, Okay, here's where time of possession doesn't matter. UC had a 19-play drive. If they didn't score on third down and then missed the field goal, that's like eight minutes. That doesn't matter. It, it's right. an inconsequential eight minutes in the game. Right. I agree with you on that. But, yeah, that's just like against UCF, throw time and possession out the window because they're trying to score in 90 seconds. So it's, it's Yeah, it's stop rate. It's, they're going to get a bunch of drives because they're going to try to score fast, and maybe they three and out or – you know, it's stop rate. It's how many drives do you end for them with no point? It's not really about the time. Now, here's something that, that kind of stood out to me when, when looking through their stats today. Um, they've played five games. They've had 67 third downs. For them, that feels like a lot. And they're only 26 of 67 on third down, 38.8%. In terms of the way they are normally playing, they are normally ahead of the sticks. And in the past couple of years, you have not seen a lot of third downs from UCF. Especially not no. 10, 12 a game like they're averaging right now. And Cincinnati has been very good at keeping teams behind the chains and forcing third and longs, forcing tough third down situations. I think... If we're talking about how Cincinnati wins this game, I think it's winning defensively on third down is where it starts. Agree? Uh, I would 
kind of agree, but I would say what's been so di- so not different. I shouldn't say different. Good about the way this team. I think it's winning on first down. Yeah, well, winning on first down is how you. I mean, it's all connected. But getting them right. in third I mean, and six, third and seven, third and eight, I think is critical. Right. Well, especially with the way their offense is, like with the speed that they have, third and shorts and fourth and shorts. I mean, when you get in college anymore, when you get into the plus 40, you almost right. always go for it on fourth down anyway. So, yeah, I mean, like if they're going to have those distances, they're, they're probably going to convert at a pretty high rate. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's imperative on the defense to, to put, to make it, make them as one, whichever way you want to try to make them as one dimensional as possible. Any, uh, anything else really stand out to you when you, when you look at this thing on paper, any, any, any other important keys that you see things that, that you feel like Cincinnati kind of has to do to win? I think they ha- I mean, <clears throat> they have to get pressure. It doesn't have to result in sacks, but they have to get, they have to get pressure. They have to make Dylan Gabriel uncomfortable. They have to get him off his spot. He's not an, an athlete in the sense of Mackenzie Milton. And I don't even know if he was a great athlete, but he was at least a threat to run. And I think, he was even more of a threat to move in the pocket, move outside the pocket, but still be looking to pass. He's not going to run. He's, no, he's not going to run. I don't know how comfortable he probably is once he's outside the pocket, still, you know, still looking for a receiver. So I think the pressure. I mean, they're give, they're giving up sacks. So UConn had three, Pitt had six. They've only had Stanford eleven on the any... season, so that you know that's yeah. That's... Lately, they've been giving up sacks. Recently, well, I mean, in the last two games. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not counting. I mean, Florida, Florida A and M even had two. Yeah. <laughs> so their sacks have come in three games, but nine of them have come in the last two, um, which is not surprising. I think they're. I mean, those first three teams, I think Stanford's like real, real bad. And people don't, I don't think our fans probably don't realize how bad they are. They just see Stanford and, and think that they're really good. Think Andrew Luck and Christian McCaffrey are still there. Uh, (laughs) They are not, but it's a pressure game. And it's, I think it is a little bit of keep away by the offense, and I think you do want to try to shorten the game a little bit, but you don't want to get away from from what worked, especially last week. Um, and I, I just think you you have to be ready to to get in a shootout because as much as I like this UC defense, and maybe don't think UCF quite as good. There, I mean there. It, they're not as good as last year. I think the big difference too is the quarterback and the defensive line. Um, but you got to be ready to score, and we'll have to just see if this offense is built for that. 
against a, a team that's definitely better than than what we saw last week. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that that could help Cincinnati in this, yes, the defense is better than what they saw last week. They're not going to see a defense better than what they saw in Columbus at any point oh, no. this year. No, no, so, no, no. no. They are not going to to surprise them with athleticism and physicality at a level higher than than what they saw in Columbus. Um, funny story on that. We we on the way out of Marshall, we stopped at uh, that little pizza place that's on the corner right across from the stadium, Giuseppe's, I think it was something like that, and got a pizza to go for the ride home. And uh, me and my dad were sitting there. We were in there for probably 15 minutes. And it was 14 or 17 to nothing, something like that. And by the time we left, it was 38 to nothing. And they had just missed a pass uh, in the end zone right before halftime to, to go up 45 to nothing. It was like, holy crap. It was literally Nebraska three and out, Ohio State three plays touchdown. Nebraska three and out, Ohio State three plays touchdown. It's like, Jesus, this, uh, that team, I know everybody got real upset with how Cincinnati played and nobody dislikes Ohio state as much as me. They're really good. <laughs> Just to harken yeah. back to that game as much as people don't want to talk about it. They are yeah. really, really good. Yikes. And I'm not, I, I'm not happy to see that. I'd rather than stink. <laughs> But they do not stink. Jesus, they're good. All right, Dave. Well, I mean, let's get to it. It's time for the Trace Pountas score prediction. Trace Pountas, freshly roasted gourmet coffee. Coffee shipped directly to you. Coffee beans roasted to order. Your order shipped out immediately. I uh, I met a bunch of uh, members at the uh, the tailgate on Saturday. Three of them. Proud Trace Pountas subscribers. And one of them was asking, like, how good is that coffee? And one of the other ones was like, oh, bro, trust me. It is really, really good. I was like, I can't tell you. I don't drink coffee. But everybody <laughs> tells me it's good. And I luckily I had some, some backup there for people that have subscriptions. Because the guy was like, look, I'm kind of a coffee snob. And I've thought about ordering it. But I wanted to know before I gave it a try. And I, I had some people there to back me up that were like, look, man, that coffee is fantastic. So every bag of beans they ship has the roast date clearly printed on it. You know your coffee is fresh. Where does it come from? It comes from the Race Family Farm located near the town of Trace Pountas, Brazil. They offer their uh, gourmet coffee beans in four roast profiles, light, medium, dark, and French. They ship it out to you in either whole bean or ground 12-ounce packages. You also now can get K-Cups. So go to www.tracepountos.com slash coffee. When you get there, like I said, light, medium, dark, or French roast, you take your pick. You go to checkout. You enter Bearcats at checkout. You're going to decide on your subscription whether you want the coffee sent to you every one, two, or four weeks. That's your choice. And then you get free shipping. You get 20% off when you enter Bearcats at checkout. And you will have your subscription to maybe the best coffee you've ever drank. I, I can't say that for sure because I don't drink coffee, but others have told me that. Some people say Trace Pountas is the best coffee they've ever had, Dave. And who am I to doubt those people? I tried uh, to give it to you. 
I tried to give it to you, but you don't drink coffee either. I don't. <laughs> Does your wife drink coffee? Have we ever talked about that? No. Uh, she drinks cold coffee. Yeah, I don't know how uh, I don't know how Trace Pantas would be with cold brew. Yeah, maybe so that, even maybe with that's, that. Do you have a coffee maker, or she just buys cold brew like when she's out? Uh, she buys like Starbucks cold brew from Kroger, and or yeah. gets like Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. But yeah, even with a, a three month old, no coffee. I was gonna say, if you had a coffee maker, I'll give you guys a bag. Maybe she can try it as cold brew, and she can be. A spokesperson for how Trace Pountas is is cold brew, but you don't have a coffee machine, so nothing I can do for you. No, just just a Keurig. If you can get me some K cups, we could give it a shot. Hey, hey, Trace Trace Pountas, send me some uh, send me some K cups. I know that they listen to every <laughs> podcast, Dave. Um, the the race family in Brazil, they don't know what we're saying. They don't speak the language, but they listen to every right. podcast. Yeah. All right, what do you got here Friday night? It's a big one. If the Bearcats are gonna gonna have any dreams of winning the Eastern Conference of the American Athletic Conference or Eastern Division of the American Athletic Conference, it starts on Friday night. What do you got? First, I want to ask: Do you think Central Florida will bring seat warmers? Because I, I was it looks wondering like, about that. It's gonna drop. It looks like Friday is finally going to be the first day of fall. Yes. It's going to drop like 50 degrees, and it's supposed to be around 62 at kick, which for those boys, given the temperatures we've had lately, that could be a bit chilly. It's going to drop into the 50s during the game. Yeah, I'm so excited. Finally. <laughs> my, 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 favorite, my favorite weather. Yeah, they might. But, I mean, uh, I, I've seen USF have the heaters and, like, heavy coats in 50-degree weather. Central Florida might see themselves as a bit tougher than um, than, than USF. Oh, right now, everybody's a bit tougher than USF. Yes. <laughs> but uh, they I are, dig they are They are getting close to asking UConn to hold their beer in yeah. terms of bad teams in this conference. But... Uh... Central Florida Golden Knights, Cincinnati Bearcats, Friday. I want to, I want to, I want to think, and I want to be encouraged that the offense has found their groove. Uh, I'm definitely encouraged by the defense. Um, I think it will be, maybe not a shootout, but I think it, both teams will. Score into the 30s, maybe even into the 40s. And I'm going to go with with Nippert at night uh, and then say the Bearcats pull the upset. I'm going to go Bearcats 38, Golden Knight 34. You went 38-34, is that what I heard? That is correct. All right. I'm still not completely sure where I'm at here. Well, then what are we? What do you mean? You, you knew this segment was coming. No, 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 no. I, 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 I know, but I just haven't like I haven't been completely swayed one way or the other um, because I, I think it's going to be a close game. 
I think I think a freshman quarterback in a completely crazed Nippert Stadium makes a couple mistakes. I, I think that's where that's where my my brain is at. I, I think maybe this is the game that that that, that Kobe Bryant makes a couple plays because that. If he's on the like, they've got two main guys. He's going to be on one of oh, them, they're, right? They're, yeah, they're going to throw at him because they're going to throw to their best wide receiver. I mean, I, I have to think he's going to. I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't paid too that close of attention. Is, is he shit? I mean, no one's probably really had a receiver worth shadowing, so he's probably just stayed on one side of the field. So far, um, yes. And they played a lot of zone. Right. So, but I mean, he's going to get matched up at some point with either Davis or Nixon. So it's not like they're not going to throw at him. So yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be plays to be made. They're going to they're going to throw the ball at our corners and safeties. So it's just a matter of can you see make those plays like Pitt did? Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna here's where I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think the streak is broken. Oh, my gosh. Blasphemy. Cincinnati 31, Central Florida 28. On a Sam Crosa field goal attempt from 37 yards <laughs> with under two minutes left in the game. Getting way too detailed now. We're, we're barely good enough to, to give... <laughs> <laughs> a decent score. But I, I think 31-28 Cincinnati. I, I think Nip at Night gets the job done. I think these guys, they they look to be um, – it looks like the pep is back in their step because it hasn't been there really yet this year. Even like after UCLA last year, it felt like that was a spark. Right. I didn't feel that spark this year. I felt – that was more of they expected to to beat Central or to beat UCLA this year, and I didn't see like I thought they, you know, they really felt like they could they could take down Ohio State, and then when that didn't happen, I think it took a lot of air out of the sails. Uh, I think Marshall put those air that air back in the sail, and I think they pull it off. I think it's a uh, it's a sold out Nippert Stadium, and as many people can fit into Fifth Third Arena, fit into Fifth Third Arena after the game, and take in Midnight Madness. So we both got the Bearcats winning. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's talk tailgate. What, uh, what do we know? Do we have a theme? Is there a theme? I have no. Gator? I have no, Are you are you like Gator? What do you what do you? I have no idea. I'm okay. I'm in the dark on this one. Um, being the 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 weekday games, we have. I don't even know if we if we know what we're having yet. It's it's. Uh, all I know is there'll be jello shots and cold beer. So other than that, I'm I'm clueless. I mean, what good are you? Like, uh, this is a part of it. You talk about me knowing the podcast was coming. You knew the podcast was coming. You're supposed to give people a report on the tailgate, Dave. 
I, but this I, is, this I know, is the part that they really want. It's they they be only cool. want to know the over under. They, right. There's no there's no, is, no there's no theme. This is uh, what they're here for. We, we, they, the, you know what we need to do? What do we need to do? We need to get tasks to to pony up for the tailgate so that we get an over under on how many Taft's beers you drink at the tailgate. It's true. I mean, I I, I can be bought, can be bribed <laughs> when it comes when it comes to the type of beers that well, I'm drinking. I mean, at... You're not going to go over twelve, right? No, no, because I'm working the whole day, so we're we're getting there after. Yeah, I get off work. Well, I mean, that even, that would be that would be even, aggressive, even for me. Um, even most games, you're not going over twelve. So all they're really going to need to do to sponsor the, the the tailgate is to give us twelve. Yeah, right? and we'll see well, if no, they, they need to drink they need, the twelve Taft beers at the tailgate. No, they need to they need to give me more than that. <laughs> Let's not get we gotta we gotta start somewhere. Let's not get greedy. <laughs> Let's get. Let's see if we can get 12, and then we'll see if you can drink the 12. Like, that'll maybe then the over under will be 11 and a half every tailgate. Yeah. <laughs> that would be combined with the jello shots. That could be a long night for me. <laughs> but at least it's not going to be a thousand degrees. That tailgate Saturday was brutal, bro. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it looked like it. I was. I was definitely glad I wasn't a part of that. It was hot. I mean, we were we were with our Republic of Cincinnati guys, and we were under a tent in the shade, and it was still just cooking. I mean, just roasting. And then we got into the stadium. My dad just migrated. My dad went down to the game with me. My dad just migrated to the shade. He's like, I'm going to be here. <laughs> there is shade here. I'm going to be here. You go do what you got to do, and we'll talk after the game. It was hot. It was really hot. Thank God. Look, I'm a summer guy, Dave. I'm a summer guy. I like summer. But I'm done. This 95 yeah, degrees in October, kiss my ass. I'm done. I'm over. Yeah, like, I mean, we always say, like, when it's the middle of January and it's freezing cold or snowing or whatever, we're like, oh, my God, where's where's summer you know but at this point i'm i'm i've had enough as well i mean like it should not be should be not be should not be 96 degrees on october 1st like you can't you can't cut grass it's just too hot like you can't there's no time early in the morning that it's cool there's no time at night that it's cool like, you can't get out there before dark, especially now with the sun setting at, like, 8 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, it's still 90 degrees outside. Terrible. Yeah. Try trying to it. grow grass. Oh, well, there's been no rain, so no grass is growing. Like, you're screwed. Yeah. You got, Dave's got a new house. He's trying to grow grass, and it's right I'm hard. not. I is haven't it just even, dying in front been, of your face? How much money are I'm you just spending not even, on water? I'm not watering. Because it's pointless. <laughs> it's, it's all it's all absorbed and, and, and gone in ninety minutes. Yeah. Awful. So that's my but yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I'm I'm over summer. I'm ready for Friday, sixty two degrees at kickoff. Yeah, so Taft, ready. Group 
Casper Porium, if you're listening, you know where to reach me. Uh, we could do some some signage at the tailgate if you like. Uh, be more than happy. What you're asking me to do is to send them the podcast and have them listen to the last segment, the tailgate segment here at the end. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I thought that was obvious. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll notify my people at TAFs. We'll see if we can make it happen by Friday. Because I will tell them right now, I am not currently drinking their beer. I am drinking another Cincinnati-based uh alcoholic beverage provider so i'm i am able to be swayed all right well i mean i'm i'm down with it so i will i will send this to the proper authorities uh tonight and i will i will see what i can do we'll see if we can maybe maybe get some signage get a 12er and uh we'll have the 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 simone family tailgate Sponsored by Tafts, we can uh, we can put pictures on social, and uh, we'll ramp it up for you, and then we'll see how many you can get through. But you'll have to document yeah. it when I leave because I got to leave early. I'm not there to oh, the end of the tailgate. We're I will document and from the from the main Bearcat Journal account. We're going to need documentation uh, from the Tafts Simone family. And anyone from Tafts is more than welcome to attend. I will, we will share our jello shots like, with them. Like when, um, like when, like uh, the 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 world record people, the Guinness people, they send somebody to verify. Right, they need to come and count. <laughs> Make sure nobody in the Simone family is, is sneaking one in for you, so you get extra credit <laughs> for one. If anybody knows anything about the Simone family, we're definitely not doing that. <laughs> Well, you're one of the few beer drinkers. Like you, your mom and your aunt, they go with the booze. They go with the hard no, stuff. No, yeah, mom and dad are are whiskey, and me and me and the aunt are the beers. Yeah. So, mom and dad aren't a problem. But all right, no. well, I'll, I'll see if we can make it happen, and and we'll take the Taft sponsorship to even a newer level. Do you have a preference? That's right. Do you have a preference on Taft's beers if we make this happen? Uh, I'm I am I'm a big fan of the gavel banger. All right, you're a gavel banger. So we'll we'll see if we can uh, we can make it happen. See, Taft's got double exposure here because they got their their they got the 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 title the title spot at the start of the podcast, and then they're getting like ten minutes at the end of the podcast. I think that's worth the twelve well, for Dave. But that's the thing is. This is the only double exposure they'll get if I'm <laughs> drinking somebody else's beer in three nights. All right. We'll see if we can make it happen. Midnight Madness, you're going to be there too? Are you going? Uh, Depends on what happens. That, that's probably going to be a no. Um, got that, that new guy at home. Wife probably wouldn't be thrilled if I just said I'm going to stay out even later. <laughs> Until 2 or 3 in the morning? Yeah. All right. That's fair. So, I'm the sure new, I'll hear the, all the about new, it. The new dad excuse. Yeah, the Berg will be there. I'll be there. We'll have I'm, wall-to-wall coverage, I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure Brent will stop over after the game as well. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, the Bearcat Journal will be in full effect at Midnight Madness even without you. So, 
All right, that wraps it up. Dave's got the Bearcats. I've got the Bearcats. Uh, I'm predicting a UC win at Midnight Madness as well. Oh, good, good. So, whatever. I hope we look. I hope we look good. Yeah. All right, brother. We will. Uh, we will see you Friday night. Hopefully, we'll see you Friday night with the twelve pack of Gamble Banger. That's right. All right, man. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>